0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Whale Nerds Podcast. This is episode number 96. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Adam and Caitlin. What's up? Hello. Back to back to back to back. I know.
1: They're not coming out back to back. Well, they are, I guess, weekly, but we recorded these episodes all in pretty quick succession so that we could get back on our routine of having episodes come out in the midst of... um, me moving and the holidays approaching and everybody's still working so yeah
2: Remember we feel like we,
1: yeah we feel like we just talked to each other but this episode's coming out much later than the date we're recording it it's actually coming out the day after thanksgiving so hopefully you're not actually listening to this episode unless you're hiking outside somewhere because you should be outside doing something not black friday shopping
2: <laughs> with your family i thought meme it was like- what happened to your
0: TV from last year? Why do you need a new TV? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like TVs go on sale. For
1: yeah, it. yeah.
0: It's because everybody feels they need a new TV for like Super
2: Bowl freaking. Why, dude? You get one. TVs are so cheap now. I bought my TV like three years, three years ago. American capitalism, Adam.
1: That's why you need to go the day after Thanksgiving when you just said how grateful you were for everything to go spend money for Christmas And for Super Bowl, there's going to be nothing. There's going
0: to be nothing on the shelves. It's empty. Like there's no you can't buy an Xbox right now. Like they've been sold out for months. What are you going to buy people? I was going to buy you both an Xbox. You're going to spend time
1: with people. You're going to give them the gift of your presence and time and dedication and love.
2: Yeah, I'm sure my nephew's going to love that.
1: That of just (laughs) flipping buying stuff.
2: I will say, though, there is a sale on underwater housing I want. So, mm, what is it? <laughs> what underwater housing? Eichelite or something? No, it's Aquatica. I'm not bougie enough for Nauticam. Why would you buy a
0: housing when I literally see. just let you borrow one? Because he wants are you let me borrow oh, all the
2: time? He said, uh, he said, it. Oh, he said
0: My housing doesn't. Does it, it scares sea lions away, even though every single person, their mom, uses a Nauticam with sea lions, except for Adam somehow. No, I just think whatever
1: you, Adam, you like buy that. your own thing, it's yeah. your money.
0: Yeah, you buy
2: it up, oh, dude. No, I I up buy it up, buy it down.
1: Anyways, moving on. <laughs> so, hopefully, yesterday, um, you took some time to reflect and spend time with people that you love and care about, whether it's your family or your friends or whoever, um,
2: your dog, named your dog, me.
1: yeah, whoever, whoever's important to you for the day. Um, and also, hopefully, it's 2021, so maybe people start to realize that, like, the traditional story of Thanksgiving is not true. So maybe you took yesterday to reflect on that. Also, that's what we do at our house. True. Um, and then we spend time with you know good food and gratitude and all that good stuff. But you know, teach their own. But that's my take on it.
2: <laughs> F. Christopher Columbus.
1: Yeah, and, <laughs> and living in Massachusetts the last two summers, I can tell you that the whole story of the first Thanksgiving is a fabrication. It's like literally a story that was made up by the U.S. government. That did not happen. There's zero evidence of Weird. it. Weird. There's a lot of those. Here. Weird. Shocker.
0: Sure. <laughs> Seems like that's like the history of uh, like life. It's just. Uh,
1: At least up of this country. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, nope, that was just a fairy tale. But me, I will. Santa Claus is it real?
1: yes sorry we have
0: people that listen to the podcast I might (laughs) lose sorry about it
1: Ben is like 12 now I think
2: I think we might be beyond that I think we'll be in the clear
1: um anyways I want to share what I'm thankful for with the podcast and that is all of our listeners and supporters so thank you for um sharing our podcast listening to it supporting us financially um either on patreon or going on a trip or buying uh merchandise on our website those are all things that um we really really appreciate and so thank you from us for all your support
2: i'm thankful for my two friends uh, the <laughs> podcast, so. i didn't
0: know we were gonna do thank yous, dude i would have wrote a big speech like <laughs> now, now i feel like i did know i was getting grammy and i just got one Yay. Oh my gosh! You like <laughs>
1: at the at the mic, and you're like, "Oh my god, I didn't really think this was gonna happen."
0: Dude, I just got in from a trip. I'm sweating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay. So you got in from a trip. Let's talk about your sightings.
0: Oh, well, I didn't have any. There's no whales out there.
1: That's not true. <laughs> oh,
0: dude, just it was a, it was uh it was really good trip actually. It started off foggy and scary. Not scary because the fog was well scary because the fog because that was, you know, it's gonna take me a lot longer to find stuff. But I ended up finding a sea lion that was eating a bat ray, and it was like a full bat ray. Like when I got there, mm. I'm pretty sure the bat ray was still flapping. Oh, cool! And there was a lot of blood, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> because it's not like I feel like when they throw a mola, it's like eh, there's a little bit of blood, but like there was like actual plume of blood in the water. Oh, so nice. Was- that's kind of cool. Uh, we watched him. He, dude, he was going to town on uh, going to town on it. And then, right as he was kind of finishing up, another boat found a whale—a um, whale that I hadn't seen before. It was a calf in 2020. The whale's name was Noah. And funny, the mom hasn't been seen since the last time the calf was seen here. So
1: she's like, "See ya." I really didn't want to see you again.
0: The calf is on its <laughs> own. It was with. It was with literally. 500 or more sea lions like I, I I didn't see that many sea lions the entire summer feeding with whales and all of a sudden there's more sea lions now than like ever it's weird well, like there cool. there is and there's not like there's not a lot in the harbors anymore and around but there's a lot out on the water well uh, I always
1: had the question of like when do they learn how to do the thing with the sea lions and like is it more on the whales part or is it more on the sea lions part like You know, who's orchestrating at that? So it's interesting that you saw a 2020 calf with sea lions.
0: I bet it goes both ways. I bet it's like, oh, if there's sea lions here, there's probably food here. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like the 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 small whales in Newport. It's like anytime you find them, they're usually with dolphins. Chase they're usually like straggling behind dolphins. Yeah. And then I mean it's not always the case. I, I know they see whales without dolphins, but a lot of times they were always straggling behind dolphins. Um, so maybe it's that way. And then with the adults, it's like, we'll use them to help feed, you know, get it to the surface or something. So maybe it's just different.
1: I mean, the tag data shows that mostly it's the sea lions taking advantage of the whale, but maybe the whales are using that as a clue. Cause sometimes you see big rafts of sea lions with no whale and then a whale will go over there.
0: Mm-hmm. All I know is, in my experience is that all of a sudden We didn't get, we didn't have lunch feeding until the sea lions showed up. Like there was no lunch feeding. Then the sea lions got here this summer. And the next thing you know, we started seeing lunch feeding. So I don't, maybe, maybe they don't need the sea lions. Obviously they could just lunge underwater, but maybe for, we need the sea lions because it helps them get (laughs) get it to the surface. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, we saw that single Noah. And then we ended up with, there was like uh, one or two cow-calf pairs, uh, a couple singles spread out. Uh, I did see a big full breach, nice it didn't twist it just did like the big arch back bend, you know, and then whew, splash yeah, um, yeah, it was a really good trip, a lot of whales just, and then oh, and then despite two, the fog, yeah, and well, the fog came came in like it came went came and went, and then right when I got to the harbor entrance, rostrios was in front of the literally i oh well, I marked the green buoy i was I was like eight hundred feet from the green buoy. And that's where Roshio's was. So that was cool.
1: Nice. That's a cool whale.
0: Yeah. You, we saw him on the whale ownership, right? Yeah. All the rake marks. Yep. Yeah. Very briefly, yeah. yeah. He's still there. I hope yeah, he stays and- right there in front of the MLA buoy the entire winter.
1: <laughs> him and um, Gacho were yeah. together the the day that we saw them.
0: It's funny because I haven't seen Gacho, but. Whenever I think of that name, it just reminds me of Gato Barracho, the other yeah. whale. <laughs>
2: yeah. And it's
0: hard. I'm like, wait, what?
2: Yeah. What's
0: <laughs> up, so, Adam? All I know right, you had a spicy day. I can see he's just, like, itching to tell us about <laughs> his day.
1: <laughs> or maybe he's dreading it.
2: Maybe I'm dreading it. Um, today was a tough one. We, actually, we went out of the harbor, and for the pretty much the entire summer, the whales have been to the west, and they've been hanging out in, like, one of our local spots. The entire summer and it's been really good. You can just and it's it's a it's a pretty close spot to the harbor, so it's not too tough of a ride. We can go there and then, like our normal routine is like go there, um, spend you know an hour and a half, two hours with the humpbacks, and then shoot across to Santa Cruz Island, go to the Painted Cave, um, and then go home and get more whales on the way home. That's like been our typical thing this summer. Um, it's been it's yielded a massive amount of humpbacks. And um, and really good sightings. So we did that today, and well, we started going west today, and we just didn't get much, and that's okay because the ocean—you never know. Hit him with um, the heart, bad. Did. did you see a whale? Well? <laughs> no, we didn't see, we didn't see a whale well today. Um, well, we, we went out actually when we went, first went out. It was zero visibility, fog. And it was blowing like 25 knots last night. So we had like mixed swell. There were some of those swells were like eight feet. Like they were huge. And like the That's interval the was pretty close to fast. And so we were running.
1: Conditions. F- bad. Exactly.
2: And, and we were actually running through the area where the big group has been lately, but it was all fogged in. And we did get dolphins in there. So there definitely could have been a whale in there, but we literally had zero visibility fog. And then we finally broke out of the fog. And then lately, all the whales have moved east. And for whatever reason, nobody wanted to listen to me today when I told them that all the whales had been east. And so, like, we just kept going west, kept going west, kept going west. And then eventually everybody was like, all right, let's go check out the eastern channel. But by that point, we had already burned half the trip. So we went down to the east, but we did find a really, really good uh, pot of common dolphins in, like, beautiful glassy water. They totally are such a trip saver. Yeah. And it was, they're really good dolphins, and the, the water visibility was great. You could literally see them like 100 feet down. It was super cool. Um, so that was really nice. And technically, we just saw a Minky minke whale, but um, we gave everybody a free trip because we didn't find any humpbacks, but that's okay. Sometimes, nature oh, nice. You guys guarantee a baleen animals. whale, huh? Yeah, we do so if you if you don't see a whale with us we'll give you a free trip makes sense like in newport uh, it's just dolphins you know what i mean yeah um and they give like they'll give trips like their trips are like 22 bucks like whatever yeah you can go you can go for seven bucks if you want if you
1: really are looking you can find quite a deal
2: yeah i'm pretty sure i have a seven dollar off in one of my drone boxes or something from the past yeah (laughs) our trips our trips are a little bit more expensive than that but I think it. This is. I think today was like the first day in literally like six months that we've given out a whale check, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, and that's just kind of typical this time of year. Like the whales are moving around a lot, right? They're moving south, they're migrating south. So we'll see how long they stick around for. But I was super stoked on those dolphins because they're really, really good. Were they playing in the wake and stuff? Yeah, they're playing in the wake. I had like this little corner because today was my day off, and tomorrow's my day off, and I'm still going out but I just want to go out to photograph dolphins was like my whole goal today. And I had like this little spot on like the starboard bow where I was just like looking down at them. You could just see how much like cruising right next to us. And um, yeah, it was a perfect way to end the trip for sure.
0: My pastor today asked me if she's like, have you had a trip where you had to reef or like not refund someone or like take them out again. Cause you didn't see a whale. And I was like, well, no, but it's obviously it's my first summer anyways, or first season. Yeah. And then I was like, I really want to avoid that. So. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't, I don't want to take anyone out there for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if there, I, I guess I'll just try to shut down trips if it's really been bad and no one's booked those days. You know?
1: Yeah, Monterey, like it can be tricky from here until like the second week of January. But sometimes there's humpbacks every day, especially out of <laughs> Moss.
0: Eric and Discovery Whale Watch today. Had a humpback whale at breakwater inside the scuba divers. So the scuba divers were out on the kelp and, and Eric and them were yelling, I guess <laughs> they were like, You guys have a whale behind you. They're like, What? No way. Like, what are you talking about? And then like the whale started to go towards El Torito and like it was inside the kelp. Wow. In freaking break, like in like, you know what I mean? You know, um
1: probably in 20 feet three, of water. Yeah, about five years ago. There's a video from a scuba diver right there at San Carlos beach. And there's like this big anchovy school. And all of a sudden this humpback whale goes by and then the diver's just like, ah!
0: dude, Adam, there was a year where the anchovies came in the Harbor and the humpback lunch fed at the fuel dock. The fuel
1: dock, Yeah. Was that
0: like a year before I got there or something? It was. Or it might've, um, I don't know. I feel like I it remember it so vividly, but
1: summer of 2015,
0: I think. Yeah. Right um, before I got there.
1: Maybe 2014.
0: So cool.
1: Because I was working in the office still at um, the first company I worked at. And I I remember people would walk in and be like, why would I go on the boat? I just saw a whale from land. And I was like, oh, we're going to see him like with a better perspective. And you get to see him feeding. And then they showed me this video of a lunch feeding whale that they took from the field dock. And I was like, never mind.
0: You can go. I mean, dude, it's like there's been, kill- there's been killer whales in front of that harbor. There's been, yeah. you know, gray whales in the harbor. There's rizzo's rizz- rizz- rizz in front of it on a regular basis. Bottlenose
1: dolphin inside yeah. the harbor. Yeah. I've seen humpback whales in the harbor quite a few times. I mean, sometimes they're like a young one's like sneaking through the mooring field. And you're like, excuse me, what are you doing in here? <laughs>
0: uh, I want I want to know how far a gray whale has gone up Elkhorn Slough under that bridge. I guarantee it's happened. 100%. They, I know they've been in that... They've been in that harbor. They've been in every harbor yeah, on the West I guess, Coast. But. I think
1: it probably would depend on the tide because it it's not that deep at low tide. Yeah. Plus, they would pretty strongly feel the outflow and be like, oh, this isn't right.
0: There? I'm ready for gray whales, dude. You're going to be big old boulders rolling down the coast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very crusty animals going down the coast. I okay, hope it's so- a good year for them. I hope so too. Yeah, I mean, I hope new. they northbound migration is good for them.
2: Whatever. Any migration. There was not a lot of calves last year. It's kind of scary. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know um what the like preliminary suspicions are. I mean, it sounds like the whales that are feeding off of like the mainland of the US instead of going all the way up to Alaska have been doing quite well. Like their body condition in the summer looks really good. So at least those whales are doing good but i don't know about the rest of them
0: seems crazy you can actually just go look at gray whales like year round if you want
1: yeah why not in oregon you can see them from like there's some point high points of land out on the headlands that you can see them from shore and like see them from above it's really cool all
0: right let's jump right into this
1: Okay, well, before we get into the full topic of episode 96, I had some thoughts swirling around in my brain about episodes 94 and 95 that I think I got distracted by your photos of krill at the end of episode 95 and like never finished my thought, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I just, knowing what we know now about how much baleen whales are eating, especially krill in the Southern Ocean, like how how can we fish for krill anymore like on an industrial scale like
2: it shouldn't
1: be I don't feel like you can right like if you shift to allow for how much the whales are actually eating is there any leftover for a quota for a fishery these whales are eating three times as much as they originally thought like, I do of just blows my mind
0: yeah i don't know what well, how, like how many things are krill how much is how many things are krill used krill for yeah because i know that like i told you in iceland that we talked about before the like krill cream yeah. cheese like thing yeah
1: but that's like krill they're catching off the coast of iceland i'm talking about like the big factory ships that go down and catch krill in the southern ocean and like use it for krill supplements
0: oh you think they're using their own krill there
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause like in the Philippines, they eat krill as like a food dish, you know, like there's, I, and I'm okay with that small scale fisheries. If you're using it for food or whatever, and it's done sustainably, like go for it. But like, if you're just harvesting krill to put in dietary supplements for people or put into animal feed or whatever they're using it for, it's like, dude, what
0: they harvest 150 to 200,000 tons annually. Yeah. I'm looking it up, but I'm just trying to see what they use the krill from the Southern Ocean for.
1: As far as I know, I mean, it's mostly 150, supplements.
2: Two hundred tons is not—it's not a lot.
1: But one hundred
0: fifty thousand tons.
1: oh Oh, one hundred fifty. Yeah, still. That's I, mean, what I said. One
0: hundred fifty to two hundred thousand tons. Krill.
1: Like, can we afford to take any krill at all? Krill? And
0: it's not metric tons, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then my other question is, what if, what if there was like just a moratorium on krill industrial or commercial krill harvest for a decade or two decades, like what would the Southern ocean like, yeah, maybe look like you, by yeah. then? Like just knowing how much whales regenerate an ecosystem. And if you gave them some time to also reproduce, cause you know, I whales mean, are on a long calve interval.
0: If we did that for like the whole ocean for two years, if we said, Hey, we're not taking a single thing out of the ocean for two years, which is like wow, it literally it impossible. Different. It would probably be come back like real fast.
1: Yeah. I mean, even some fisheries you could suspend for five years and yeah, in the short term, it really hurts, but it doesn't destroy the fishery long term. People can still hang on to gear for that long and maintain boats and do other things with them that long.
2: Mm,
0: that's it. Yeah. That's a lot of livelihoods, I guess. But yeah, yeah still would be cool to think about
1: so then that kind of just led me to this concluding thought of like capitalism and like effective conservation strategies are like just at odds with each other right like we've got to find a way to get past the capitalism aspect of it because we're never going to save the planet if it's all about the money even though saving the planet will save us money
2: do <laughs> daughter they don't connect the two though like yeah because people aren't worried about the future, like end
0: of story. Like yeah. most people just are not thinking about. Yeah, they're worried about now. And I don't even get why they care in general, because like most of the people that are like arguing about stuff, it's like, dude, you're like 70 years old. Like, what are you like so stressed about? Like, <laughs> you're on no your offense. No, no, I'm not. No offense. It's just like. why How don't much you just more take money
1: it? did you need to make before you die? Well,
0: but it's like, it's not even that. It's, or like, why are you so worried about it now? Like, why don't you just go take a break and go to Antarctica and chill with the penguins? instead of trying to be so political
1: that's a perfect segue into what i was going to use as a primer for the rest of the episode so this episode um to just kind of position it with thanksgiving i wanted to honor some indigenous stories and perspectives and so the principle of seven generations have you guys ever heard of that with like the north american indigenous people it's originally an Iroquois um, concept so it's basically decisions you make now will affect seven generations into the future and so that's like a law that's in practice amongst um, Iroquois people and many other indigenous um, tribes and groups and so like when you think about something you have to think that far into the future about what your decision is going to affect I mean that's that's incredible and I think that's how we all should be thinking
2: I absolutely agree
1: like if you want to make money today what does that mean 150 years from now
2: because it's not even like that's how we know.
1: got in this mess we didn't think like that
2: well it's not even well, us. Think about like, it, it's like it's like two generations ago like not seven yeah. you know like yeah it's not even us as to think it there should be
0: kind of like guidelines and rules in place to like force you to think it not force yeah. you to but like yeah you know that should have been the right way to do it in the first place
1: yeah and then another way you could interpret um this practice is also thinking across seven generations so think about the three generations that came before you and the three generations that will follow you um and so just thinking about how things really stretch across time and like kind of like that analogy of like if you pull the one little thread it unravels the whole thing um And so just you really have to think about the reach that you have over your lifetime. I mean, the the infants you interact with in your last years of life, you still have an effect on them, even though you're 80 or 90 years older than them. Mm -hmm. And so just like taking that time and really having considerations about that before you take action is like, what a concept. Like, what we we'll should have been learn. doing from the start we'll never
2: learn. it's it's just it, it's it is what like, it is and like people like never... this has
1: been a part of indigenous culture and practice and like ruling practice for way before western contact like <laughs> these people had yeah. to figured out forever ago so that's kind of a good primer to go into um the stories i wanted to share for this episode um yeah. all of them have to do with the um, Arctic, um, mostly Alaska, but a little bit about Russia, and um, I think it's I think it's pretty interesting and cool. So I'll um, share some stories. The first one is from Russia, um, and it's the mystery of Whalebone Alley: who built it and why? And it's this really random news article I ran across. That's from AncientOrigins.net. Uh, it's not mainstream news um but Whalebone alley is located on utegren island off the coast of russia if you were on the island today which it is a tourist attraction you can go there um you can see beluga whales and bowhead whales around okay so island. why are we
2: not
0: there
1: i know we need we should go there it seems sounds like a cool place um in the yes, article which i'll link in the show notes uh there's a little video in the article showing like all the pictures of it of like all the whale bones everywhere so i think we should go it looks
2: pretty Uh, whale nerds 2022 (laughs)
1: 2023
2: i don't know if we're gonna be allowed into i don't know if we're (laughs) gonna be allowed
1: into russia by 2022 probably not it's also kind of tricky to do visas but i have some people that i can ask more about that but anyways
2: wow look at these um, bones holy crap so the yeah. bones
1: on the island seem to be arranged in a pattern and they're mostly from bowhead whales so these bones are huge and they're heavy
2: Dude, they're really massive
1: which is nuts but My they're they, whale. they seem to be intentionally placed there and supported by stone bases so like they're not just there by accident yeah um and then also on the island there's these pits which um archaeologists think were actually um, built to store whale meat So the Yupik people used to inhabit this island, and um, there's a couple theories as to why the bones are arranged as they are. Um, It could have been sort of a neutral meeting ground for different tribes on the island to, like, gather, and, like, that was, like, the neutral zone. Um, It could have also just been a ceremonial location, or it could have been a whale processing site. And the next article we're going to talk about, I think, sheds more light on the fact that it probably was a ceremonial location that had to do with whaling because there's other sites like this in Alaska. <clears throat> Not quite to this scale, but fairly similar. So yeah. Whale Bone Alley.
0: Let's That's go check cool. it out. So, How was it only discovered in 1976?
1: Um, because Russia was, still is, run by... An interesting government structure (laughs) um yeah but it's also like fairly remote and it's a really small island so i think there wasn't a lot of incentive to go there like if you have to justify government spending to go investigate something it's like why would we go yeah and now it's a world heritage site which is super cool
2: it's super awesome um
1: also in 1976 the ussr was still whaling
2: yeah
1: just Thought there
2: those
0: USSR people.
1: I mean to be we're fair right the international the 80s, right? moratorium on whaling wasn't until the 80s but and then they yeah, but they were still whaling, up until whaling after that In
2: 1986 right the we island really is
0: need- funny and it's a cool name
1: yeah we really need to get um, Yulia she's one of the researchers that worked on the like secret whale logs and like helped quantify how many whales were hunted and then covered up um, by the Mm -hmm. USSR, we should have her on the podcast, because her work is really cool. You should. Anyways. Wow. Back on to our topics. Okay, so this was an article. The link I'll put in the show notes is from the Smithsonian Magazine, but it's actually originally a Hakai Magazine article, and it's called Why Scientists Are Starting to Care About Cultures That Talk to Whales, and this is about um, Alaskan whalers. So it starts with a story about Henry Brower Sr. So he was laying in a hospital bed in Anchorage, Alaska, close to death, and he was visited by a baby whale. Um, like in, he had a vision of a baby whale. Although Brower's body remained in Anchorage at the hospital, the young bowhead whale took him more than a thousand kilometers north to Barrow, which is actually now called Yuktevik. U- uh, and... That's where his family lives, Brower's family and obviously the whale. Um, They traveled together through the town and past the indistinct edge where the tundra gives way to the Arctic Ocean. There's an ice blue underwater world. Brower saw Inupiat hunters in a sealskin boat closing in on the calf's mother. Brower felt the shuddering harpoon enter the whale's body. He looked at the faces of the men in the Yumiak, which is the canoe they're in, including those of his own sons when he awoke in the hospital bed as if from a trance he knew precisely which man made the kill how the whale died and whose ice cellar the meat was stored in and when they asked him to verify it all he was right on all of the
2: accounts you're kidding isn't that cool dude that's badass
1: so he is um he was a indigenous whaling captain in alaska and so that's why he saw like his own kids in the boat because his family is part of the um
2: mm-hmm.
1: community that community that are whalers. And so after this experience in the hospital and like verifying that it was true and like feeling the emotion of the baby whale, he handed down new rules to the whaling community about hunting mom calf pairs. Wow. And so yeah, and it was all written with the intention of respecting their feelings and needs and communicating to the whales like By not hunting them, it was like they were responding to the whales reaching out to them, and showing them respect and leaving the mom and calf pairs alone, recognizing that that's like an important life stage for a whale, and to be respectful with their hunting practices.
2: Hmm. And
1: um, a lot of Brower's stories are actually available in a book called The Whales They Give Themselves. I did look it up; it's on Amazon, so um, and a bunch of other places online too. So if you want to read more stories from Um, Harry in particular he actually there's a book um, he passed away in the 90s but uh, you could read his stories if you want to. That's awesome. So then this article kind of reflects on the whole idea of like western science for a long time dismissed these kind of stories and like didn't understand like how connected indigenous communities are to to nature especially like in communities like this whaling community, like you think a whale is such an abstract thing. You're like, how how could you possibly be connected to this animal that lives in the water? And like, you can't even hear it. Like, so things are starting to shift now. And it's like, you know, literally opening a whole new world of insight on research, which is pretty incredible. So just kind of some backstory about indigenous whaling in the Arctic, archaeologists believe that it began around 600 to 800 CE, so common era. And a thousand years before that, people were living in the Arctic, but they were hunting walrus, caribou, and seals. So these people are pretty rugged. Like you can take down a walrus or a whale or a seal, like that's pretty gnarly.
2: Yeah. I can't can you imagine even kill a fly
1: i'm scared of like i don't even want to walk kill up a to spider. a walrus these people are yeah. hunting them. <laughs> that's crazy so as whaling became more successful um indigenous communities were actually able to become stationary and build permanent settlements so whaling like really was a pivotal moment for uh people that lived in the arctic because then they could like settle down and like build villages and like have a community and social structure and like Um, so that was a big deal. By the time western contact came to these areas in the arctic it was already the 10th century and the westerner accounts of like seeing whaling in action where they were like just dumbfounded by the whole thing. Like some people called it a whale cult because they observed the ceremonial aspects of a whale hunt where whalers sang songs before and during the hunt um, they performed ceremonies in spaces encircled in whale bones. Remember our whale bone alley? Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: and they had whale amulets and endored, adorned their vessels with whale carvings. And so most people thought it was like supernatural. It was like a bunch of woo-woo. Like They were just like, I don't, this is mind-blowing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so to talk about the like adorning their vessels with the whale carvings and the amulets is pretty interesting, the logic behind it. So using Inupia oral histories recorded in the 19th and 20th centuries, uh, researchers realized that amulets were meant to be placed on the boat with the likeness of the whale facing down towards the ocean. This meticulously rendered art uh, was meant not for the humans, but for the whales to flatter them. It says, They said that it called them to the hunt, the whales to the hunters. It was the idea that the whale would be attracted to its likeness. So obviously you want to depict the whale in the most positive way possible. Mm -hmm. And then in Canada around St. Lawrence, there's also Yupik stories um, that tell of a whale spending hours swimming underneath the canoe and positioning themselves so they could see the carvings and the people in the boat. And if the canoe was clean and the carvings were pretty or beautiful and the men were respectful while the whale was observing them, the whale might position itself to be harpooned. If the art portrayed the whale in an unflattering way or the boat was dirty, it indicated that the hunters were lazy and they wouldn't treat the whale's body properly. So the whale would swim away.
2: Wow. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine if all whalers had like this much respect for whales before they killed them? no we would have never killed as many whales as we did like this is something that's taken with like so much consideration and process like
0: how it's how the world was supposed to be yeah it just didn't go that way
1: man i mean just like industrial whaling just like a slap in the face to this practice like just yeah. many it's not just in. whaling it's
0: literally all types yeah. of hunting and like yeah. not hunting but commercial like harvesting of the way animals we
1: farm and... yeah. yeah yeah craziness so thinking about commercial whaling um even whaling strongholds like the Inupiat villages of alaska were not immune to the 1970s international whaling commission that halted the substances to harvest of Bowhead whales um, because government scientists actually feared that there were only 1300 animals left in their population. Harry Brower Sr and other whaling captains who had ex- lifetimes of experience knew that that number was actually wrong and so the Inupia whalers actually had the financial means to fight back against, the, against this regulation and so they hired like they took their money and hired Western trained scientists to um, corroborate what they knew was the true number of whales. Mm -hmm. And so the scientists developed a new methodology that used hydrophones to count bowhead whales beneath the ice, rather than trying to just do a visual survey in a few strategic locations. And their findings actually proved that there were way more bowhead whales than the government had previously thought. And they were allowed to continue their subsistence harvest of whales afterwards there's um more information about that in the next article but Did it
2: people say how many yeah. whales they had or
1: um it doesn't say how many there were in either of the articles i read but it, why the scientists had such a low number is talked about in the next article it's kind of funny
0: gotcha. so where people, people have killed more bowhead whales than we'll ever see i know <laughs> not fair
1: i know Um, so this kind of the article kind of wraps up with like there are other um, long-held indigenous beliefs that actually have been proven by scientists um, and like kind of more I don't know I would say quote-unquote official because it's like a western science proven thing now but like uh, for years scientists thought that whales didn't have a sense of smell but Inupiat hunters knew that if the smoke from their fires blew out over the ocean, the whales would move away from the shore. So, mm. like, the whales can smell the smoke. And um, that was indeed proven. There's a little bit more about it in the next story. And then the same thing with the Yupik belief that beluga whales were once land dwelling creatures. Like, they have stories about that. Well, guess what? All yeah. marine mammals <laughs> well, came from the land. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> like, pretty
2: cool.
1: Yeah. So. Pretty cool. And you can actually see that on a whale fetus. They have legs when they're in the early stages of development as a Mm -hmm. fetus. So
2: and they probably found that out through hunting, obviously, like Mm -hmm. killing a pregnant female, they saw one with legs. I wonder what they thought about that.
1: I mean, I think it was we can well, I have another article that we can talk about in a future episode, but like in the Pacific Northwest, um, like the people that live around um southern canada and washington like regard killer whales as people
2: yeah
1: like they're they're killer whales but like they have like a human type spirit inside mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. so i think that's probably not too far off to how people view like belugas and other um especially odonacees. very intelligent communicative odonacees. hmm so this last article is from the Atlantic, and it's called "The Alaskan Hunters That Are Teaching Scientists About Whales." So kind of a nice way to shift and finalize everything. So um, this article it follows specifically the story of a Dutch researcher, Hans Thuisen, and how he collaborates with indigenous hunters to answer scientific questions. So it's kind of a follow-up from the previous article. I don't think they did it on purpose, but they kind of like perfectly follow each other. Um, so all the studies that are featured in the article, the Hans is working closely with the Inupiat people and in, native to the area. And some of the thoughts were in, and projects were directly inspired by having conversations with these whaling captains. So his work fits into decades of research that draws on indigenous knowledge about the Arctic. And this whale research is now an example of how productive collaboration between outside scientists and the Inupia people um can be really beneficial, but that definitely was not always the case. Um, the representative from the Alaska Eskimo Whaling Commission that they quote in this article is named Arnold Brower Jr. Mm. his name sound familiar? He's Harry's mm. cousin. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's funny.
1: So, um, so a little bit more information about how they came up with the bowhead quote um, the captains formed in the Alaska Eskimo Whaling Commission, and they eventually decided to conduct their own bowhead census, sen, census to increase the quota. So in 1982, the commission turned over the census to the local government of North Slope Borough, which encompasses uh, Yuktivik. And the um, borough hired its own scientists, who determined that the federal government census had been undercounting bowhead whales. The problem, as later recounted by Thomas Albert, one of the representatives of the Northboro scientists, was that conventional scientific wisdom was wrong. Scientists thought that bowhead whales were quote unquote afraid of ice and only swim in open water. When in (laughs) fact, the whales were swimming under ice out of the view of the observers posted on land.
2: Yeah, what a a concept. What a bunch of idiots.
0: Like they literally use their head to break through like two feet of ice. That's
1: part of how they got their name, because they break through ice that up to two meters thick, I think, up to six feet. Like (laughs) so funny. No wonder the inupia people were like, y'all are stupid. Like they
2: have way more winds.
0: Do yeah. they have the biggest
2: twelve yeah. up to twelve look feet? Look at that! Look at that article. There's a picture of a, one that they hunted, and that Bailey was yeah. gnarly
1: on it. I mean, I've had I've held pieces that are way taller than me, and I'm like, this isn't even a big piece.
0: You guys, there's pictures <laughs> of bow. I'm just like on the Google of the bowhead, but like, <laughs> there's just pictures of bowhead whales, just like like they're just like head to head with an ice
2: sheet of ice. You know what I mean? Like that's
1: all like, you want. You just want the picture of the whale with the ice.
0: Dude, you could
2: like. Dude, there's there's one video, there's one video of a drone uh, from a drone of a bowhead whale, and it just looks so cool. Yeah, is it from a NOAA survey? I can't remember. It was on the ocean series documentary.
1: I don't know. I just I Uh, think they're very beautiful and really cool animals.
2: They really. So. They're Mm -hmm. my favorite.
1: So basically this guy's getting samples from the whalers while they're processing the whale freshly dead on the beach. So like you can't ask for any better samples than that. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. Nick Pines working with Icelandic whalers. Um, So when the whalers go out in the spring, there's still usually quite a bit of ice. So they still use their traditional kayaks, the umiaks. Um, And just thinking again about like the dedication it takes to be a subsistence whaler building an umiak can take several years between collecting driftwood acquiring seal skins hunting caribou big enough so that their sinew can be used to sew the skins together and hunting and fishing to provision the whaling camps is a year-round endeavor mm-hmm. like that's just so much dedication
2: mm-hmm.
1: to this practice like it's just like you live and breathe it
2: mm-hmm. like
1: no wonder these people are so connected and so wise about it that literally their life depends on it and they like and they're willing to dedicate their life to it like
2: that's well, incredible yeah, and like setting a quota on that can destroy their whole lives. well especially when
1: they when the person setting the quota knows nothing about this
2: yeah exactly
1: um so during two just two kind of anecdotal studies one of them we already talked about a little bit um with the whale sense of smell so Thwyssen had heard captains talking about the bowhead whale's sense of smell. And he was like, well, scientists don't think whales can smell. And after all, why would whales living in the water need to be able to smell things in the air? Like what would be the point of having a sense of smell? Mm. But then Inupiat knew that the smoke from the campfire would drive whales further from the shore. So on this suggestion, he dissected the head of a bowf- bowhead whale and found a nerve from the whale's nostril leading to the olfactory bulb in their brain
2: Ooh. the
1: processing center for smell
2: wow that's awesome <laughs> i don't get it dude like, Stay to the it, man da. bro like just Stick listen to, to the them man. they
1: know so then this one this is the coolest one i think of the whole thing that so there was another story where um uh, or another study where the dutch research, researcher hans he was very confused about Uh, the buoyancy of baby whales. So young bowhead whales have a diet rich in milk and they plump up to fat little baby whales like you see with many baleen whales. But once they're (laughs) weaned, they go into a period of relative starvation as their baleen starts to grow in and they're able to forage on their own. So they lose a lot of that fat. So how come a one-year-old fat little whale and a skinny five-year-old whale both stay buoyant in the water? And you'll see this with humpbacks, too. Like, a three-year-old humpback is way thinner than a one, one-year-old humpback.
2: Yeah.
1: So. Freaking,
2: yeah, freaking yeah. halo and
0: Google are thick as heck. Yeah, yeah, think about how big they are compared to, like, like they're, like, the same size as rostrios, and rostrios has been seen a couple of years now, so. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's they're, crazy. They're all, they're all
1: their baby fat. So.
0: Now they're on they their stay, own.
1: <laughs> how do they stay buoyant? Because they're kind of starving for their first year, for, first year, first year. Couple of years of life as they're trying to figure out how to catch food. So Han suspected it had something to do with their bones, but he couldn't figure out a pattern in his bone samples. So then the hunter suggested that he should look at the ribs um, because, like, uh, what was his name? Arnold. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Arnold's father um, would only use the bones, the rib bones of one year old bowhead whales to weigh down nets only from one-year-old whales and it's because that's when their bones are the dens- densest so over a period of five years their ribs lose as much as 40 percent of their mass to compensate oh. for losing the fat so they still stay buoyant mm.
0: so their bones get less strong
1: they're less dense
0: huh.
2: wow, isn't that sure. crazy
1: up to 40 percent of their density their mass
2: if I lost forty percent of my mass, I'd be even two million right now. I mean, the, I the right whalers
1: now. are so in tune with what you get out of different age classes of whales that they're like, "Oh yeah, just look at the ribs." Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Duh. <laughs> like, it's probably the same for all of them, huh?
1: What do you mean for for all bale- whales? Baleen whales, especially, but yeah, yeah. probably also odontocetes to some extent. Um, so the article kind of wraps up with this notion that traditional knowledge is now being cemented in scientific record due to this collaboration and ultimately that's going to be a good thing so pretty incredible i'm telling you
0: so cool dude all right if you
1: ask the right people they already know all the answers and you can prove it
0: why, why did I just Google where can I go to Bowhead Whale Watch? And then it says National Breeze Sanctuary Monterey Bay Whale Watching.
1: Because <laughs> it says where can I go whale watching basically. Valley
0: activities. What the heck? <laughs> oh, I would I love, to go.
1: I would love to go up there to see all of it.
0: So we need to go in like August. Polar bears and Bowhead Whales at the same time. Frick it. <laughs> let's go right now really no dude it's about to be freezing Wait, up there we don't we don't need to work <laughs> in the summer who cares oh
2: geez I'm going next august you guys
1: back up He's like, if catch you me guys
2: outside. if actually i wasn't even there for it but um when you guys did the interview with nick pineson he mm-hmm. recommended a book called floating coast
1: oh yes he did
2: and it's super super good and it kind of I haven't finished it yet, but it encapsulates a lot of the same stuff we're talking about mm-hmm. um, with the Inuits and their relationships with whales and also how like whaling allowed for the commercialization of, I mean, a lot of different countries and places like that. I mean, it's, it's just super cool to see like how I know, mean,
1: whaling de- really rooted. Revolution- yeah, revolution- exactly. How deep rooted
2: our history is with whales and like mm-hmm. Definitely in the United States, but then it goes like into this, um, obviously into this area of like Beringia. They call it like the Bering Strait,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: it's kind of the same thing there. Like how, um, how just important whaling was to to really start the civilizations and stuff. Yeah, um, super cool book. You should check it yeah. out for sure.
1: Yeah, whaling was like the first industry that connected the world to each other. Exactly like if you really look at the history of like where were the crews coming from where were they reprovisioning where were they landing whales like people started to travel the world on whaling ships yeah just pretty incredible um but all so all of these like reflections we're having while we're learning about these stories also kind of remind me of a documentary i just watched on netflix called gather um it i assume it's gonna be on netflix for quite a while so it's kind of taking it's watching these indigenous communities reclaim their like native diets and um there's one kind of feature in there that's a young girl who's raised her family raises buffalo um and she's like buffalo meat is better for you than industrial raised cows and she's like, I know I know this because like this is our people's knowledge, but then she like is really interested in science and so she, she like goes on to like prove it, which is mm-hmm. kind of the same thing that we ended the episode with too, which is really cool.
0: So yeah. Buffalo or bison?
1: They're this in the US they're the same. Yeah. But there's water buffalo, and then that's what I'm that's saying. People people get bison. really mad
0: when you call bison buffalo. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've heard some people get real mad. What is it? You can say one. Ma- you
1: have to put American. It's not before, the same. Like,
0: they're not the same.
2: Well, in America, we call buffalo bison, and bison. No, I think like we, we do.
1: American. We don't have buffalo
2: in America. They're in Africa. Yeah. Water yeah, buffalo. American
1: bison or American Buffalo, commonly known, yeah. but it is a bison. Yeah. Yep. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, I so cool.
1: encourage everyone that is interested in nature to also learn about the indigenous people of their area and what they know about nature.
2: Because That's one of my favorite parts about being in the channel is that um, the chumash used to live on santa cruz island so we always we always talk about their role and um how they were able to live off the island and live off of seafood i just wonder like if you really go into the research of it like how often did chumash you know like encounter whales like i'm sure it was a lot but like what was their relationship you know
1: well there's um there's one book that kind of sheds some light about that i've read some passage of Passages of it. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it's called The Ohlone Way. Um, and it's about the tribes that lived around Central California. And there's accounts of like whale carcasses being on shore. And that's like a food source for people. Yeah. And like, yeah. Um, so I think definitely like not only encountering them as food, but also just seeing them from the shoreline and to and from the islands. 100%. Yeah, I want to I mean- go back to like when they lived there. And see what I the wildlife live. I, t- like.
2: I do too. Like th- they, they took like the, the wood plank canoes, the tow malls across like the channel, the twenty three mile crossing, and I'm sure they had run-ins with like whales and killer whales and stuff. Like, of I course, just to like, just be so like it just they had cool. sea
1: otters around the island. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Chumash, there is a campaign going on right now to connect oh, all yeah. of the national marine sanctuaries in California. By adding a link at the chumash national marine sanctuary which would connect the south end of monterey bay and the north end of channel island yeah, well,
0: i was just looking to see where it stops mm-hmm. at it I pretty think much it's, goes
1: yeah
2: it's supposed to connect the two
1: yeah so like off of morrow bay but connecting the two sanctuaries so it goes all down the to conception all the way from cordell bank to the bottom of Channel Islands National Marine Sanctuary, the entire coastline of California would be now designated as a National Marine Sanctuary.
2: Yeah, it's that whole like continental drop off, like, which is kind of. Wait, crazy. until where? The, where's the southern part?
1: Channel Islands.
2: It goes to Conception. It goes to Point Conception, and I think it even goes across to San Miguel Island.
0: But it ain't going to be like Point Vicente and
2: down. No. no, no. So I think <laughs> There's nothing down there to protect. <laughs> wow.
0: anyways back to reality guys about 19k if you guys want to go see Bohead whales and me next summer is 19 about
1: 19k no big deal but don't worry i
0: can get us a a a six percent discount so it's pocket (laughs) change i can't i'm just joking oh dude we're never gonna see Bohead whales i kind of just want to get a credit card and just you got it you know (laughs) What's the worst that happens? You see bowhead whales and you have debt?
1: At least you saw bowhead whales while you had debt.
0: Yeah, it's like, whatever, dude.
2: Oh, man.
0: You take out a car loan and literally you could go to Antarctica and <laughs> take out one car loan and you can go to the Arctic and you can go to Antarctica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thanks, y'all, for going on this uh not so mainstream journey with me
2: that was I mean, cool I, I love yeah. I love stuff like that like I like so... when you teach us stuff
1: Slater called me earlier Every today day. and he's like what are we talking about and I told him the topic he's like I don't know anything about it and I was like that's why we're doing the episode he's <laughs> don't like even oh, worry. this is just for me to learn stuff huh and I was like it's for everybody to learn stuff
2: yeah they don't even worry about our listeners it's just for Slater <laughs> I make uh. this
1: podcast just for Slater <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think I, Why do you
0: think I came up with that idea, yeah, Adam? Come on.
1: So that's true. This he, I mean, part podcast. of how we came up with it is I would tell him something about whales and he'd be like, we just need to record this.
0: We were going to talk about whales whether we got on a podcast today or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's true.
1: We talk about whales like, I don't know, at Every least six day. times a day.
0: Yeah.
1: To each other, let alone everyone else we talk to. I
0: wish that's I had room true. for my whales of the world poster.
1: Uh, that's it. You got to get a bigger apartment.
2: Don't, don't tell him that he's already my apartment to.
1: dimensions have to accommodate all of my whale posters and art
0: first off the reason i want to get a, a two-bedroom because adam comes up here all the time and at least he would be in another room
1: so <laughs> the living room
0: if adam kicks me down like 200 bucks a month dude i'll move to a, i'll move into a two-bedroom <laughs> They the office just called me here and they said we have one available december 13th and i was like mm.
2: oh i Got $200 to kick down to you. My place is expensive You're, You enough. just went up $200 in rent I know, exactly. for no reason. Yeah, yeah stupid, stupid COVID. So yeah, they blamed yeah. it on. They said that? Yeah, they're like, because of COVID, like the prices are competitive and like you won't be able to find a place for like under this amount what is and I was like, silly I was like that's not a that's not a reason to raise rent on somebody, but if yeah.
0: you guys are all been paying rent there, so unless like a lot of people moved out because of COVID in your apartment complex. I can see that, but maybe and they're trying it's to stupid, make up. Right. But I'm sure She's they got bailed out right. anyways,
2: right? Like,
1: no, it's all those remote workers wanting to have their Santa Barbara vacation, and they drove ugh. up the prices. Stupid. Now anyways, I have to okay. pay more money. This is the rent rent nerds podcast. Welcome to
2: the rent nerds podcast. Renting is a joke. <laughs> it's complaining. Yeah, well, think.
0: guess what, Adam? We get to go look at whales every single day of our lives, as long as there's whales yeah. and the weather's
2: good. <laughs> I can't complain that much. Hey, there s- could whale- be
1: worse things. That's for dolphins
2: sure. are technically whales.
1: There you go.
0: Yeah, they're just huge I saw whales, dude. Today. I saw whales
2: today. So saw say that. Don't even fret.
1: All right, that's our two minute rant about rent.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. 96 episodes and going Woo-hoo! strong. What are we doing for hundred yeah. Oh, wait. The guys at my pastor today goes, I listened to one of your episodes. She's like, I'm going to have to catch up on a few more. I was like, we have 96. She was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, this isn't like. This I isn't think she,
1: a just for funsies thing. <laughs> I, think she thought that, hour,
0: all right? I think she thought we only had like a good, because if you like, she's like, I, I watched them all, or I listened to them on your website because I have a link, you know?
1: Oh. And I think that if you
0: click it, it just shows like the top few. It doesn't show.
1: Yeah. It shows the most recent ones. Yeah. So also you can go look at our website anytime you want. It's called the And you can also check us out on social media at whale on Facebook or Instagram. I put links to the articles we talked about in the episodes on our Facebook page. um, if you want to get more information about what we're doing what we're up to booking a trip merch joining our patreon anything like that you can do that all on our website thewhalenerds.com so thanks everyone
0: thank you peeps.
1: bye
0: bye